Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hello, my name is Chase Pfeiffer. I'm an extended stay resident here with Watershed. Um, And my topic for tonight is beyond need. Everyone has their heroes. Uh, Probably my biggest hero is a guy named Ravi Zacharias, um, who is probably the most influential apologist of the last hundred years. I got to meet him one time. It was my dream to meet him. I walked into a Marlowe's Tavern with my parents, and I've listened to so many of this guy's lectures, I heard his voice before I saw him, and I knew he was in the restaurant. So I waited by the door, kind of like a creep. And when he was walking out, I stopped him, and I said, Mr. Zacharias, and he said, yes, like he he does in his talks. And I said, my name's Chase Pfeiffer. I'm a future employee of yours. And he didn't think that was very funny. but the conversation that followed was really encouraging. Um, something that, that Ravi believed was that rock musicians, more than any other genre of music, uh, communicate truth in, in a way that, that, that no other um, type of music seems, seems to encapsulate. So I want to read to you uh, the lyrics of, of a rock song that he quotes in a lot of his talks, and it reads like this. The wall on which the prophets wrote is cracking at the seams. Upon the instruments of death the sunlight brightly gleams. When every man is torn apart with nightmares and with dreams, will no one lay the laurel wreath when silence drowns the screams. Between the iron gates of fate, the seeds of time were sown and watered by the deeds of those who know and who are known. Knowledge is a deadly friend when no one sets the rules. The fate of all mankind, I see, is in the hands of fools. Confusion will be my epitaph as I crawl a cracked and broken path. If we make it, we can all sit back and laugh, but I fear tomorrow I'll be crying. Knowledge is a deadly friend. When no one sets the rules, the fear of all mankind I see is in the hands of few fools. Confusion will be my epitaph as I crawl a cracked and broken path. If we make it, we can all sit back and laugh, but I fear tomorrow I'll be crying. If you look at the state of the world right now, um, it's, it's no secret that the world we're in needs saving. Um, we, we look at the world, if you're paying attention at all, and we wonder how it got this way. We wonder how did things get so broken politically, so broken socially, so broken economically, so broken medically? When did everyone become so arrogant? Um, when, did, when did lay people have the answers to very real problems and think they have the authority to address them? Um, somehow in the midst of all this confusion and chaos, even us believers miss Jesus as a solution. Um, somehow we, we look past, and ultimately I think it's that we don't feel like we need him. Why? To, to talk about our need for Jesus, the first thing I need to do is define our terms. Um, because to properly know what a need is, we have to know what a want is. So a want is something that we desire, but that we don't need, right? Their need and want are different. Uh, it's something that we can go on without. It's a desire that is an accessory, but not a necessity. An example for this would be over quarantine, I played video games with a lot of you guys. And over the course of that time, I found myself wanting a gaming computer. I haven't had one of those since high school. 
Um, and my wife and I sat down and looked at our budget and I got one, praise God. I got a gaming computer at 25. Whether that's cool or sad, I'll leave up to you. Um, and it's made my life better. Like I get to play games with y'all that I couldn't otherwise play. I get to play games I already played with better graphics and frames per second and all of that. Uh, but I didn't need it. It wasn't something I needed. It was something I wanted and there's nothing wrong with wanting things. There's nothing wrong with uh, getting what you want, at least I hope. Um, but a want is not a need. A need is different. A need is not an accessory, it's a necessity. It's something that you can't go on without. It is vital to your future. There's not a future that, that, that exists with any real meaning if you don't have this thing. Um, and so I want you to take a second, maybe pause the video here um, and then hit play again when you're done. But I want you to take a moment and think about some needs that you may have. Um, again, a need is a necessity, not an accessory. So take a moment and think about some needs that you have right now. Now, if you're anything like me, if you're anything like most people that I know, and I wanna clarify, there are exceptions to what I'm about to say. Some of you have experienced very real need, and those of you who have understand what I'm getting at when I say this, but I have a hard time coming up with a need, and I'm guessing that you probably do too, because I think the majority of us have likely never felt a true need in our entire life. Uh, when I reflect on my brief 25, almost 26 years, I can't think of a single real need that I've ever had. Everything I've ever desired amounts to a want. And I think that's because we live in a very affluent area. We come from homes that may be broken, there may be suffering, but there's no real need as far as the necessities that, that we need to have that's missing. And, and because of this, so many of us don't even have a category for the word need because we've never experienced it. Um, I'll give you an example of where I, where I see this manifest. When people go on mission trips overseas, I've seen this in students, I've seen this in family, um, even experientially to a degree. Uh, uh, people go overseas and, and often for the first time they see r real need. They see people who are, are drinking mud, who don't have food, who don't have clothes. Um, they don't have shoes, they're dying of trivial illnesses that we just brush off, that we don't even miss school for. Um, and then they come back here and they can be a little unbearable to be around for a little while, but for good reason. It's not a bad thing that they're that way. But what's happened is they've gone and they've seen genuine need and it's given them a perspective. And then they come back and they hear the way we talk and the things we complain about and they see our lips just dripping with vanity and that all of the things that we complain about are so vain, we don't, we don't worry about where our next meal's gonna come from. We worry whether or not Chipotle's gonna get our order wrong. We don't worry about the clothes we wear. We worry about how nice the clothes are that we wear. And they hear these things and it's frustrating and it comes across as self-righteous, that frustration, but it's not. It's that they're seeing the wickedness of where we live and our own selfishness more clearly than we can. So I wanna read some scripture. Um, out of Romans 8, starting at verse 22 through 25, it says this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, 
we wait for it patiently. What Paul's getting at here is that we've already been saved. We're not hoping for salvation. That's already secure. What we're hoping for is restoration, both in the world and in ourselves. But there's a truth here that we look out at the world and we see the brokenness in nearly every asset and we ask, how did it get this way? Has it always been this bad? I ask myself that all the time. Am I just, was I just young and naive and I never saw this before? Some of that's probably true. But we see the brokenness of the world and it's confusing. And I think the reality is, is until we understand the brokenness and necessity of Jesus in ourselves, we will never understand the brokenness of the world. See, sometimes I, I treat Jesus like my gaming computer. Um, I treat him like an accessory not something that is a necessity for my future. Like my gaming computer, I feel like he makes my life better. He makes it more enjoyable. I think of all the things I have because of him. I have a job that I love. I have a wife who I love. Most of my friends are believers and those relationships are are, are awesome because we have something in common, but often I, I, I don't see him as a necessity. And I think like people who go on mission trips and come back with a perspective that that, that helps them more clearly see the wickedness around them, when we understand the brokenness inside of ourselves, the the depth of sin in us, when we look at the world, we we don't see something that is foreign to us, that's different than ourselves. We see a reflection of ourselves. And like experiencing real need overseas gives them that perspective, seeing the need within us gives us the perspective of how to address the world. So my question to you is this, do you feel like you need him? When you look inside of yourself, do you see someone who's a pretty good person and probably deserves grace? Or do you see someone that's, that's broken beyond any measure of deserving anything? You know, Paul said that, that of all sinners, he was, he was the chief among them. And I think he believed that. I don't think that was some pious, yeah, I'm probably worse than all of you. And I've said that before and not meant it. Um, But I think Paul did. I think when Paul looked in himself, he saw a depth of brokenness. He looked at his past of persecuting, jailing, and killing Christians. And he knew that he did not deserve an intervention on the road to Damascus. He knew that he didn't deserve the grace that he had received. But, But the grace he received and knowing his own brokenness gave him a perspective for how to write these things, for how to address the brokenness of the world around him. And so do you need him? Do you treat him like a necessity, like you couldn't go on without him? Do you, do you look inside of yourself and see a deep need that when you look out of the world, you see a, fl- a reflection of your own brokenness? Because the reality is, if we come to the place where we see our own brokenness and we see a solution to that brokenness in Jesus, we no longer look at the world with confusion. The brokenness we see is no longer confusing or even off-putting because because we see the same brokenness that we have and we know the solution must be the same. And so that's what I want you to talk about in your groups tonight. When you look at yourself, do you see sin? Do you see a need for Jesus? If not, why? Because when it comes to to a greater need, to going beyond need, the first step is a realistic look at at, at who we are and how broken we are, and everything else follows suit after that once we understand the answer that grace provides. So I'm going to pray and then leave you all to talk about that in your groups. 
Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see ourselves clearly. It's a difficult, difficult thing to admit that we're less than what we think we are. Um, but the reality is, is even in our brokenness, you've called us as something higher. That you've seen value in us so much so that you've given us grace, which, which when we understand our sin is, is almost mind-blowing to think about. Um, God, I pray that, that, that as we look into ourselves and we see the sin, we would feel the need for you. And in finding the solution in you, you would give us a heart for the world around us. That we wouldn't see the world as broken and become bitter and resentful and angry and pious, but that you would give us the same attitude with which you gave us grace. And that we would understand that we're no better. We just have you, we've just been redeemed. Um, Father, I pray that groups go well tonight, the discussion is honest and transparent. Um, and that when we examine ourselves, we're honest. I pray this in your name. Amen.